Um, <clears throat> I didn't see these kind of pauses on the other um, on, on, on the other ones. Is there, is there some editing that goes on? No, that's just, <laughs> I I promise. No. Sorry, I'm making work for you by saying this. <laughs> We're keeping this in yeah. just to piss you off. <laughs> um, okay. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Success Times Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Thompson. Today, we have a good friend of mine, Gabrielle Hutchinson. And Gabe is a lawyer. He's our second lawyer on the show. Um, but he's quite young. He's in his early 30s now. He owns his own law firm. He's just, I think, seven or eight weeks ago became a father. So a lot's going on. But the genesis or at least the thought process for me was the type of person that he is as a criminal lawyer at, from the very beginning. Uh, really looking forward to picking his brain about why it was important for him to specialize in that area and, yeah, just talk about life and business and everything, success times happiness. So I guess let's get into it. This is Gay Hutchinson. You are, a, in my eyes, a young lawyer on the Sunshine Coast. We were colleagues uh, at a previous firm growing up when you were prior to you being admitted then being admitted and we I felt we had a great working relationship it was a lot of fun uh, and I thought I'd get you on now because where you are now is a lot different to where you were then and in both work and in home and I thought I'd be it'd be a great opportunity just to I think you're a, a, a wonderful person and have some intellect and insight that I'd like to tap into today that I think a lot of people can learn from. Okay. Well, I um, hope I uh, hope I can uphold that idea. <laughs> okay. So, firstly, um, your parents are, are not lawyers. No, no. So um, they've both come from uh, media backgrounds. Um, uh, Mum's been a uh, radio broadcaster on the on the Sunshine Coast for the last um, almost twenty five years. Um, they both met at radio school or. or, or Film, television, radio school in Sydney, mm. and um, and uh, had differing careers in the media, um, but uh, yeah, no, um, there's no one really in the family who who um, has a legal background. So. And you've got two sisters. Two sisters. How was that growing up? With mum being, she always was she always doing morning radio. Uh, yeah, yeah. For the duration of school, our schooling, schooling life there. So mornings, mum was never there, and it was just yep. dad and the yep. two girls. Yeah. So, um, I mean, felt very normal at the time, but um, but dad would do the dad would get us ready in the morning. Mum would pick us up in the afternoon, and um, had the the added quirk of everyone, you know, um, reminding you of what your mum had said on, on the radio <laughs> twenty that minutes morning. before. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think uh, my favourite one was when she. Um, I was in grade eight, so I just started high school, and um, she told the um, well everyone. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think everyone at school yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. knew that uh, I um, wore a certain pair of underpants every time the Broncos played as a kind of superstitious thing. Which, yeah, it was it was a uh, a, a great way to uh, kick off high kick school. off high school. So. Goodness uh, me! Yeah, uncalled for. Well, you know, it's it's it. 
out of after a lot of therapy, I'm 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 past it, and I can now talk about it. But uh, recording in 2023. <laughs> Tell me you wore those same undies for the grand final. And they're on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't add in that you never take them off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so why, what draw you to law specifically? It wasn't any one thing. Um, it helped that I was no good at maths or science. Mm. Um, and I was always um, better at, you know, writing and, and uh, kind of more creative skills rather than um, numbers and, and, you know, um, chemical compounds and, and things like that. Sure. Um, so uh, it was either going through high school, it was either that or probably try and become a journalist or, or something, you know, close to the media. Yeah. Um, Still with writing and exp- yeah, expressiveness. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just as as it um, came time to choose what we'd do um, in grade 12, I'd um, picked law and uh, stuck through, stuck th- stuck with it. Um, but even in my first year, there was no clear um, signpost as to what I was going to go and do, what field I'd be in. And, and yeah, it, it all kind of materialised later on. So, And then you got into the firm that we met in Nambour and Peter Boyce was essentially your mentor at that stage and you're working underneath him really, really closely. Yeah. Primarily with crime and general litigation. So for people not knowing that's essentially just duking it out and fighting with other people. Yeah, any, any court-based work um, or, or you know, potential um, dispute matters that could end up in court. So, um, but, but there was, a, there was a, a particularly heavy crime focus, um, at least early on. So. And to be – I mean, Peter's an incredible lawyer and would be, have been an incredible person to work under that closely, but it would have been death by – like you would have just been exposed – so deeply, yeah, yeah. And well, thrown in the deep end, and expect, yeah. <laughs> the expectation would have been really high, huh? Yeah, yeah well, I, I remember it at Dow uh, at what was effectively my job interview. He said to me, "Oh, um, well, can you swim?" I thought, "Oh, that's a strange question." Yes, yes, I can swim, um, but he was he was talking, of course, about the fact that well, I'm going to chuck in the deep end yeah. because um, that's how we do things, and and that's exactly what it was. You you learn by um, you, you learn by doing. And um, it was, uh, well, it, it's been the most important experience of my life, in, at least as, as far as my career is concerned, because um, it turned me into a lawyer. And, or, and in particular at that stage, it turned me into um, someone who could finally see what a career in law looked like. Yeah. So. And we'll get I've, – I've reached out to Peter and he's mm. going to come on uh, yeah. the show, so that'll be interesting to get his side of that interview. <laughs> So I'll preface that before you yeah. <laughs> stick yourself up. He's going to have a right of reply. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we joked the other night um, about how you'd give something to him. To, to you've, you've worked on a document that he's asked you to do, right? And you've given it to him and he's busy. So he puts, you put it in his mouth, right? And you'd get it back with fix. Yeah. See me. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. See me or fix. Yeah. yeah. Just fix. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. tell you. Didn't tell you what was wrong with it. Mm. Just the fact that at some point, in some level, this is incorrect. Yeah. And you need to fix it. Yeah. So, so it, there was no spoon feeding. No, no, that's right. That's right. I, I mean, you know, uh, he, he made a point of, of, of not spoon feeding, of, of um, uh, making you learn by, by your mistakes and, and um, there were plenty of those, and uh, but um, but yeah, it, it's he was um, he is my mentor in the law, um, and 
uh, yeah, he's he's a, a wonderful person. Yeah. And what did you learn being exposed to crime and defending um, at that age? Well, I, I, I think this it came at a pretty important time for me because, as I said before, I I, I didn't um, I didn't know. Um, exactly what I wanted to do. I was doing law because I thought it was the right thing to do. I liked the idea of being a lawyer, um, but I didn't actually know. I didn't have any home example to see mm. what that um, turns into. In my first year at uni, I was pretty directionless um, and haven't ever said this publicly, but um, I had a couple of instances where I had um, uh, some run-ins with police and, and not my, not serious ones, but I was a 17 and 18-year-old kid who drank too much on a couple of occasions and ended up in police watch houses. And I was pretty aggrieved by um, how all of that went. It was it was all owing to my own stupidity, but I just thought the way in which I was dealt with and, um, and the way that, you know, the people that we saw as, that, that you would see as protecting you are suddenly... Um, acting towards you, acting with aggression towards you. And, and that was really jarring for me. I didn't realise that this would come full circle for me, but working in crime made me understand that, well, um, police aren't infallible. Um, humans are, are, are certainly fallible. Um, and all of this deserves, um, every person deserves a bit more scrutiny applied to the, the way Conduct. they're... That's right. To, towards the way these things are, are treated by the courts. Um, and so that felt really reassuring at the time because I was I was pretty um, uh, upset, you know, the trouble I'd caused for myself as well as the, you know, knock-on effects of that in, in being dealt with by police. And um, and and that was just a, a, a really important stage of my life to see, well, actually there are ways to push back when, when anyone in a position of power does something um, uh, that's not necessarily by the book. Not just... Mm, mm. So, and, and that's not me saying that, you know, I, I was some great victim of injustice, but I was, um, well, to go, to go into detail, I was um, at one point in the um, Surface Paradise watch house and I had uh, uh, handcuffs behind my back and was having capsicum spray put into my eyes and and it was all just to kind of get back at me for causing causing a bit of shit for them on on Cavill Avenue um and how old are you uh I'm I've been 18 for one month so and, and I was being an idiot right I was being an idiot and I ran away from police they caught me and you know um, threw me in the watch house and then took me into the courtyard and there, there was some uh, publication in in later times about this um, type of misconduct that would occur where police would, um, uh, on the Gold Coast, would put people in the courtyard, um, have them restrained and apply capsicum spray as well as the hose on them so it washes out straight away as as a bit of just, you know, sticking the boot in. So so I I felt pretty aggrieved by that. And um, uh, this was all stuff I had to admit to the Supreme Court when mm. I uh, <laughs> Just, Justin the character, yeah. Well, that that the uh, the fit and proper person test. So yeah. so they're all suitability matters that I had to declare and did. Um, so I but, imagine it would have been a podcast set up like that with the yeah, with well, the judge. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, <laughs> Chief Justice Holmes sitting across from me, but no. with the microphone. Yeah, yeah. So, but but so how pissed were you? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, uh, but so that was. Um, 
a uh, really kind of uh, uh, traumatic experience for me um, that I saw through Peter. There are ways of pushing it back back against those those power um, those abuses of power. So give me a timeline here. That was first year uni. Yeah. So we're talking, you're doing law yep. sort of aimlessly though. Yep. Does that not kick you into gear and go? All right, I'm. Were you looking for cr- to be a criminal lawyer as a result of that, or did that give you motivation? No, it was uh, no. It it just it took. Just, so it was two years later that I was with Peter. So what I did from there is I um, took a gap year after that. So uh, 2008 is first year of uni. Then I take a gap year. I go and work on um, worked on a gold mine in Bendigo. Um, went and travelled through Europe for six months, um, and then came back and, and you know refreshed and whatever else and uh and um started working with peter sometime thereafter and and it 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 wasn't that um there was any kind of um lightning rod to say oh well you need you now need to do criminal law work it was more um that it hit me in the face when i was working with peter he would show you when um when there are injustices done Mm. there are ways to there are ways to fight back against that and did that was it conscious of you going back to when you were eighteen on Cavill Avenue, or was this sort of an unconscious? Oh no, it's it, that was just the work that Peter would do. Appreciate it, that. Um, but in terms uh, of internally for you, are you like, yeah, this is? Yeah, this I, is I, absolutely. I was thinking, well, you know, I'll, and then we'd go on to act for um, countless people who um, have. Oh, I can remember just one time, classic example: a guy up for, out the front of a nightclub. Um, charged with public nuisance and obstructing police and all of this and, uh, and you are, we, we got the CCTV um, and it just shows him sitting at the back of a police um, police van and a police officer just comes up and knees him in the stomach and you know sure he was creating dra- drama for them but it, there there were just I just saw stacking up these countless examples of abuses of power mm. and, and and not just in crime either um, but but that was something that really appeared a- appealed to me, that um, uh, the law was um, the, the practice of law was a vehicle to push back against um, the those powerful um, forces mm. that that you know want to tread on the little guy. I think the general view of the public is without knowing, I guess, is that where you your view of the police prior to mm. that incident is that they are holier than now. And they are the upholders of the law mm. and they can do no wrong. Yep. And the idea, I think, if unless you've experienced it yourself or seen evidence to the contrary, you'd almost have a dig at the at the defence counsel to go, well, wh- why are you attacking the police? They do all this amazing work. And it's like, yeah, but that, you're pushing. That's right. It's such an integral part of the whole system. And they do. And, and they do exceptional work. They do really important work. And, um, and, um, we are indebted to them for that, but it doesn't give them a. No, it, it doesn't give other aspects of the force the, the right to, to engage in in that kind and, of. And I would, I would, I'd postulate the idea that without that rigor, that mm. testing by by yeah. defence lawyers, criminal defence lawyers, then corruption mm. ensues and it becomes crazy. And if if you're a, if you're in the police force and you can't see that. Yeah, then I think you're you're not you're not seeing it for what it what it could be. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. But but that's and I've as of um, as my practice has developed, I've gone on to understand. Well, that's that's not 
something that's unique to to the world of of crime and criminal defence and and my my practice um, particularly um, since becoming admitted and then um, starting my own my own firm um, I've I have moved away from from um, criminal defence work to a large degree um, there's still you know the old uh, uh, <laughs> mates of mates <laughs> your dad's uh, uncle <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, now um, uh, into a more kind of litigation, you know, commercial and property litigation type practice, um, you know, I'm acting for uh, homeowners who um, are suffering at the hands of um, builders or contractors who just have, um, you know, all the all the power. Power in that situation. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's, the same, it's the same play, right? Act, it's representing. Yep. Acting for, for builders against the QBCC who actually, in fact, that's, that's pretty analogous to, you know, everyday people in the police. You yep. know, that that's their regulator. That's their... Surely the QBCC is hunky-dory. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> <Squeaky dory. laughs> yeah. uh, look, um, it's it's a government agency. So um, they're, they're all... Um, uh, they're, they're all subject to the, you know, sure. um, uh, fallibility that we spoke about where, you know, they're just humans inside there. People make mistakes. People gloss over things. People, things aren't properly investigated or inspected or, or whatever else. Um, and, and again, um, doing good work a lot of the time, mm. um, but that doesn't justify doing bad work. So, um, yeah, to cut a long story short, um, that's kind of been the growth of my practice to go from uh, – pushing against the, the kind of uh, street-based injustices into more um, uh, more of a civil and commercial litigation type of work. So, mm. um, I appreciate you sharing your incident in Cavill. Yeah. I, um, I'll share a story that I didn't admit at the fit and proper test or the character at, in the Supreme Court. So hopefully this isn't needing to be used. <laughs> you might be like, about to cut it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I was 16. Yeah. And a friend of mine who was Japanese at school was going over back home over Christmas. He's like, mm. do you want me to get you anything? He'd got me like electronics cheaper over there than, you know. And he brings out this BB gun registered like catalog. And I was like, oh, grab one of those. You know, it was just a replica pistol. Shoots little pellets, right? Little like backyard thing, but a replica. Brings it back. Sweet, paid in money, brought it home, fired around, great. At that stage, obviously, it was before we got licenses, so I had to get the bus in. And friends of mine were going, we'll go to the pool hall in the middle of the Brisbane CBD, right? The dodgiest place. Yeah. But our hangout at that point. So I'm like, I'll bring my, I'll just bring the gun with me in my bag. Yeah. Mm. Show my mates. So we get into the pool hall. I pull out the pistol. Looks like a real thing. I'm sure it's dark. It's a, it's a, it's a hall with like a dozen pool yeah. tables, right? <laughs> Pull out the gun, show everyone around, put it back in my bag, put it underneath, and keep playing. Within three minutes, I reckon, mm. there was about eight policemen. Five of them were undercover. We are all hands on the table. They're like shouting, going, where is it? Where is it? And I'm like, it's in the bag. And so then I get cuffed, taken to the, to the little watch house bit in the middle of Queen Street. And I'm like shitting myself. <laughs> I haven't had a detention at school <laughs> before. They call mum and like that's worse than anything yeah, else. Yeah. Anyway, so they destroyed it, gave me a warning. Yeah. Um, so nothing reportable, nothing. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't have to. So I, we, we won't have to edit that out because I think, I think. We're yeah, okay. Un unless you've had some kind of. Um, record. A record of it, yeah. Mm. yeah so. But uh, anyway, so that was mine. But anyway, so you, you become admitted at age 25. Yeah. 
the way that works, you've, you're on your P's or your restricted license for two years. You're then 27. You're still working under Peter. Yep. You have, at that stage, you tell me that you, you're in this decision mode of, well, I want, what what was inside of you that sort of said, I want to own or want, or not be an owner of a firm, whether it's the current that I'm in or something else or I, somewhere else or I create my own. Why, why wasn't it, I'll just be an employed solicitor. I don't need to be a owner for now. Um, well, I don't want to harp on about him too much, but but Peter was, as a mentor, was just always um, pushing you towards the next challenge, mm. um, whether he knew it or not, or whether it was just his um, organic understanding of how your career should be progressing. Um, so uh, that went from, oh, well, you're, you know, you're a law clerk, become a lawyer, you start doing trials, you do this, you do that. And then um, really he, he was just... Um, uh, the kind of person that would would um, will me towards thinking about business ownership in in whatever form that might be, and um, and you know with his help um, I uh, you know kept on pushing forward an idea that that I'd um, start my own practice and and work out a Maroochydore and 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 um, do that pretty much as soon as I was able to, to run my own show, which is, yeah, that two years after you're admitted. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, and that's, that's what I did. So it, it was, it was that kind of, uh, just inherent expectation that, oh, well, that's what you do. You're going to, you, you'll now, you know, run a business in, in some form or another. Cause so. he was a, he became partner very early as soon as he could essentially as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's maybe that's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so you opened up clutch legal. Mm-hmm. How was that in the early stages? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. I'll, I'll show you some photos of um, my office in the in, in the very early stages where I um, had a desk, a laptop, and a standing desk, which was another chair on top of that desk. <laughs> oh, quite progressive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. It was it was um, before they were really uh, more present on the market. But, sure. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it, it was you know it was me and a laptop in a room um, and. Uh, it was um, exciting and scary, and we, um, uh, my now wife and I, moved back in with um, her parents, and um, and so we were we were uh, not not quite sure how how the bills were going to get paid, um, but it's just it was just one of those things that yeah you start doing something you put your put your put your name out there and and I think it's particularly true of the Sunshine Coast, um, but people just kind of jumped out and started sending work my way wanted to you know get to know me as a, a new um, practice owner on the on the coast so it just all was working out and then covid came along and i was thinking oh i might have to go and get my job back <laughs> <laughs> this is good yeah yeah but but the the covid experience for lawyers actually was it created more work um uh yeah so it, it, how so oh uh, not I would I wouldn't say directly, um, but that um, the the talk in the industry was well. Obviously, we've got lots and lots of work coming in. People are more um, probably doing more um, than they've ever done because they've they've uh, in in terms of whether that was litigation or deals or whatever was going on. It just there was just this continuing momentum that, um, and on top of that. Um, businesses were seeking advice about the ways that you know public health orders applied to them, or sure. you know, um, acted for a few people who were were in breach of, of public health orders by, you know, um, doing various things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, it, it um, definitely. I think the the evidence shows that um, uh, initially, along with all the um, stimulus to the economy and whatnot, yep. there was there was a lot of legal work being done. And you're now you're not no longer in the same premises. No, no, you moved so, to yep. different premises now. Yep, growing the team. Yep, how's you got a different desk presumably. Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a Frankenstein of a number of different desks from okay. the old place. So yeah. you know, the chair's still not on. <laughs> the chair's still on top. That's so what's right. the team? Yeah. You got a team of seven or eight? Uh, yeah, seven or eight. Um, uh, seven or eight. My wife's a volunteer, so I uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we include her as the eighth. But it's very lovely, Italian. Uh, well, you know, um, uh, but uh, yeah, um, that's probably been um, the thing that I've loved the most about it. Um, you create this practice and it goes from being an idea in your head and, you know, how do you name this thing? What are you going to do? You've got to tell everyone about yourself on the website and um, to all of a sudden you've got a sign up, people knocking on the door to do work um, uh, and and growing growing that team has, has been um, the most enjoyable part for me because uh, I really, really like the people... Um, that we work with, everyone works works together in a really, um, really uh, kind, considerate way, um, and they're just great people. So that's that's really been been the the highlight of it for me. What's the goal? Look, it's um, a pretty modest modest goal. Um, it's just to keep practicing, um, keep a strong team together, do more interesting, um, keep doing interesting work and do more of it. Um, I, I don't have any um, particularly uh, high growth goals. Um, uh, you know, I want to expand the team, but we're currently at a, at a point where it's about just right for me as the sole, um, as the sole equity holder. Mm. Um, so uh, we, I discovered a, a, a few um, probably uh, embarrassingly recently that the type of work that we do being litigation it'll, it'll never be you'll never be someone's everyday lawyer um, but the most the most important people in your world are, are those who are the are people's everyday lawyers people's you know transactional lawyers and and um, and the rest of it just nurturing those relationships and and um, getting that that good referral work and being you know trying to become known as as um, the um, one of the you know more experienced litigators on the on the Sunshine Coast. Mm, like that, yeah. How big is the team? How big do you think the team can get? Oh, look. Um, so the way we work at the moment, we've got three lawyers, including myself, um, two admin staff, two law clerks. Really, to in in that pyramid, you, you really need to um, have someone else um, like me, or have one of the solicitors. Step up, um, yeah. Start, um, uh, you know, go into a, a, a more of a leadership position. So, um, I think the pyramid's good, for pretty, now. pretty set, mm. pretty set. Um, but uh, but if if we're talking about growth, uh, it's to to create the next pyramid or start building the next pyramid. Yeah, nice. So. And you've only recently become a dad. Yes, yes. Talk to me about that experience. Um, so Rocco John was born nine weeks ago. Um, and it's, it's just been, uh, everyone says to you beforehand, well, you're not ready for it. No matter what, you're not ready. You might think you're ready, but you're not ready. And, and that is true. 
Um, that is true. But I think what you're really not ready for is that, um, that you know, you could be so bursting with love for something that didn't exist for you, um, you know, um, tangibly until, you know, 10 weeks ago. Mm. Um, and, and he's just the he, – uh, <laughs> this, this will serve as, as um, a, a point in time at which things were, were really great and I'll walk out <laughs> of these doors and, yeah. and, and it's, it's going to be bedlam back at home. But he is just the sweetest, sweetest little boy. Um, he's uh, super smiley, only cries to to get fed, which, you know, is the same as everyone else in that house. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, there is, there's nothing quite like when, when they wake in the morning and, and you're just talking to them and, and you just start to see them smiling and they're finding more and more of a voice like and that's where we're at at the moment yeah and I'm, I'm just loving it that's so good yeah so in practice or even prior to practice and working with peter what mm. do you think in your life at that space in that time frame was it was your most vulnerable moment um well there's is there's a few examples um one's a funny one which is where in um uh in the the early months of me working there, I'd, I thought the entire time because of Peter's just to the point demeanour, I thought I was just moments away from getting fired every day because I was I'm clearly not doing the right thing. Um, but we went to a compulsory conference for a for a um, uh, litigation matter in Brisbane, and um, we picked the client up along the way, and he was travelling in the car, and I, I'm 20 years old, and I knew Peter had this big trial coming up, and and. and um, you know, I'd seen the file around the office. I could see it was occupying a lot of time, and uh, I wanted to kind of show off my knowledge. And um, and I said something like, "The client for a completely separate matter is sitting in the front seat." And I said, "Oh, you've got that big so and so trial coming up, don't you, Peter?" <laughs> and he goes, "Yep." And then the rest of the car car ride was just just silence. And then uh, I didn't think any more of it. I thought, "Oh, that was a pretty." Pretty blunt response. I thought I'd, you know, was showing, was showing that I'm I'm aware of of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. What the what the temperature of the office is. And uh, anyway, at the end of the day, he comes on, comes in, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll sanitise this for for all audiences. <laughs> Have you ever I'm heard? So of- nervous. <laughs> I'm so nervous <laughs> for you right now. Uh, have you ever heard of client confidentiality? <laughs> he just pokes that around. And I, and I go, what, what? And he goes, mentioning that matter in the car in front of another client. Bloody hell. <laughs> it's the wrong client. <laughs> well, no, it was, it was just that another client knew of the existence of another client. I mean, it was, you know, um, uh, I, I think if anything, it was, it was just an important lesson. But he was, he, he um, was always just completely um, uh, uh, ruthless about confidentiality um, and, and as any lawyer is but you know to the point where if we um, parked at court he'd make us do a, a um, check of the car to make sure all the file labels were turned down I, I you know, still do so, that. I yeah still do that, yeah, yeah and I've, I've always done it now too and, and but the, the things that you don't think of and so but he was just absolutely ruthless about it and, and right rightly so um, but I'd you know I'd been there three months and I thought I was, you know, talking about, hey, you how busy, he, how yeah. busy he, he was. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and, but instead I was advertising one client in front of another. Yeah. So. And that's, I mean, so. that is, and I don't know how he does it mm. because 
I found when I worked a little bit with him on a couple of the matters, it would be he had this incredible ability and you would have seen it every day, no matter what was going on and there was a thousand things going on. Mm. When he's talking to you as a client or in that room, it's like you're the only yeah. file he has. Yeah. On a yeah. confidential basis, yeah, yeah, yeah. you breached, yeah. but also <laughs> an attention level. Yeah, and I don't know what it was, what he did, but it was like it was it was like holy in that moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, uh, you know that just comes back to a real passion for the story of the client wanting to um, respect the fact that they're there to see you and and paying that back by listening and really the thing that. I've one of the most important things I've learned is you know um, his style of litigation is you know we're in this together I'm fully on board with this we we're going to we're going to go show them what's what or you know, mm. you know depending on the circumstance but he'd really um, every client knew that he was on their side and and you know bugger the rest of them so yeah any other vulnerable moments um, oh, I, I I can the other one that, that jumps out at me is when I um, had just started my new practice and and a, a client who I'd known for some time had, hadn't paid their mortgage and had a default judgment against them and were giving me all these reasons as to why and instructed me to file an application in the Supreme Court and they didn't have much money and I was early on in my practice and I thought, oh, look, I'll just go and, I'll just go and <laughs> prepare the Supreme Court application. I, I understand you're on hard times, so we, you know, we can't afford a barrister, so we won't arguing an application before Supreme a Supreme Court justice. And so it was Justice Bond at the time. And, you know, we had a pretty ordinary application as it was. He he'd been served with it been served with the proceedings. There was there was no real argument as to why to set aside the judgment. To set aside the, the that default was your judgment. application. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so we were, you know, behind the eight ball as and it was and I thought, oh well, you know, we'll have a throw at the stumps. And anyway, Justice Bond um just Absolutely, <laughs> smashed me. Just um, picked me up on really technical parts of the, um, you know, the, the commercial loan application, all of that, um, and and it was uh, yeah, it it was a huge underestimation by me. Um, uh, not not that um, you know I I wouldn't be able to appear in those things, but just that I thought that you know I could just. Have a have a go at the stumps and and say oh you know in the interest of fairness let's 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 give just us another give, crack give at it to this. me <laughs> <Give> <laughs> but, us a win. It, but it was just you know um, that that really um, I felt very vulnerable standing in the Supreme mm. Court getting uh, getting whacked by uh, Justice Bond and rightly so but this podcast is centered around concept of success and happiness mm. how do you view that and you've got such a in the last few years such a changing dynamic of your life being getting married having Rocco going from an employed solicitor to owning your firm to moving premises to bringing on a bigger team how does is the idea of success and happiness and the path you're going towards going in the future how often do you come back to yourself and think like consciously think is this is this the way we want to go or is it how does Gabe sort his sort his life out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the answer to that is um, uh, not often enough am I conscious of um, the significant milestones and checkpoints that I've passed. You know, um, it was three and a bit years ago that we were living with our um, parents-in-law and, you know, 
trying to um, afford a second desk at the office and, you know. <laughs> a second <laughs> chair. Yeah, yeah, a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, um, just in that time we've, um, you know, uh, um, bought a house, uh, started employing people, um, gotten married, had a baby. So um, it's huge, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a big four years. It's been a big four years. Um, but uh, so um, not often enough do I, I think, sit back and go, oh, actually, this is, um, you know, your things are progressing nicely, right? But they are, and I, I'm, I'm really, really, um, really proud to be able to say that and, and feel it. Um, but, but yeah, I think should certainly be more conscious of it. Um, uh, you know, humble, humble but conscious. So, and then when you look into the future, what does if you've done all that in four years? Mm. Do you postulate what 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 happening in five years time? Or? Um, well, I suspect um, uh, should we be lucky enough, there'll probably be some more kids around. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I want to keep my practice going. I, I want to keep my practice growing um, and. and uh, and keep doing good, interesting work, the kind of work that, you know, um, you have people sat across from you wanting you to take up the fight for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's uh, really motivating to me. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think that's that's largely it as well as, um, uh, as, well as just always um, staying open to, to new opportunities, new... New ways to to do business, to, to to practice law, to you know run a household, all of that. It's it's um, yeah, just just always always looking out for for other opportunities. So yeah, awesome. All right, at the end of every episode, we have five quick fire questions. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've given them to you. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so the first one is your number one tip for people looking to be more successful yep. in their life. Um, I think. The most important thing is is um, either stay disciplined or become disciplined. I had to become disciplined because I um, uh, would um, probably my academic record would would show to you that I wasn't disciplined. <laughs> um, uh, but um, I've learnt to um, exercise discipline, and it's um, how do you do that? For you? Well, it's just about. Um, Having, having just unbreakable rules that you'll um, be out of the house by, for me, it's 8 o'clock. Um, uh, always be there when possible. Um, last to leave the office um, as, as the... As That's the, important as the, Yeah, yeah, as the, the leader of that, um, of that practice. Um, and uh, just um, return every call, return every email, um, whether it's, you know, that day or the next day, just just stay disciplined on on that front because um, otherwise uh, you things things can get sloppy and things can get sloppy for me. So um, I just have to exercise that discipline. Are there any other areas, any, any other rules that you have that you don't that you sort of promise to yourself that you don't break? Um, well, I, I mean, only um, only rules within the confines of of legal practice. Sure. The, the way that we'll you know uh, ensure that we explain costs to clients, um, you know, in a, in a more, more than just a, a superficial way. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, but yeah, that, that's, um, it's, it's about, um, being in the office except when you're 
working out of the office um, and just just never letting up from that. Have you had a chance to consider how you will be a father or parent? How will you parent whilst working in a, in a relatively demanding, time-consuming work? Look, what I, what I have realised is that um, where in the past I've had pockets of time that I could um, be relatively careless with, um, that's already gone. So it's already gone because um, nine weeks in, um, before I've left the house, I need to make sure um, uh, my wife's done everything that she needs to do um, whilst not holding a baby. <laughs> so, um, so uh, you know, from that um, kind of 6.30 till, till 7.30 time, I'm making sure that, that she's got everything she needs to be in order. Mm. Um, uh, and then, you know, only only then can can I leave the house and, and be ready to come back in time to, to start the, the evening session. Um, and I realise that even now it, that's still pretty mild. It's just going to become more and more difficult to, to do that, um, uh, to, to manage those, those pockets of time because uh, you need to use every minute that you can for work when it's work time and outside of that family time when it's family time. So it's something I'm going to have to learn, um, but that probably uh, reinforces the, the need for discipline. Yeah. And I think when you can get that balance right, mm. thing. Mm. And I actually remember um, uh, when, I mean, Teddy, um, your son would have been so young at this point, but I remember you saying that, you know, you were getting up early to train, um, uh, then doing bits of work, and then you, you just had a, an hour or so before you'd leave for work where that was just your time with your boys. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's, that's always stuck in my head that that would, that's something that you've got to do because as a, you know, Mid twenties kid who had no no thought of uh, um, having kids anytime soon. That was I was like, oh, you hang out with your kids. <laughs> what did they do? <laughs> he won't even remember you. He won't even remember like That's Rocco right. doesn't know what's going on. No, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, being in a comedy show once where I was like, why would I take my child to Disneyland? And mm. He's two. Yeah, because he won't remember it. Yeah. It's like, what are you meant to do? Lock him up under the, under the, <laughs> yeah, under the yeah, stairs? Right. Yeah, do you remember up. yesterday? Yeah, yeah no, shut up. Sell them. Until I can have some sort of memory. Yeah. 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 No, it's really important, obviously. And I think also where I got to was like, you'll never get that hour yeah. back. They're only 10 weeks old once. Yeah, yeah. And um, they say it goes really fast, right? But mm. I guess it's all relative. But that piece on, you know, they'll never be under 12 weeks ever again. Yeah. And you have that hour and that can be as special yeah. or as mundane or as as you want it to be. Mm. But mm. I think even just five minutes, even five minutes with the child without any interruption, Yeah, you just go to their level. If Rocco is so fascinated by some Velcro yeah. tab on something, you become that. You yeah. become that fascinated and it's just best mm, mm, that's right that's right and, and um you know if someone saw me reading a book the way i read a book to him in public just just you know to myself i think that person's a lunatic <laughs> um but uh but it's just something uh something really uh uh really lovely about reading a book like you're hosting play school yes 100 <laughs> percent. and all and do that forever yeah do yeah. that forever 
Um, okay, second question is number one tip for someone to look for more happiness in their life. Yep. yep. Um, uh, look, I think um, it's easy to be cliched in, for this question, but um, I, I'm just really um, a, a huge supporter of the, the idea of live and let live. I know that sounds so basic, but people increasingly don't let others live or are so worried about what others are doing or putting constraints or, or some kind of <clears throat> judgment on that. Um, the key to happiness for me is running your own race, not worrying about what others are doing and, um, and you know, just making sure you're doing everything for yourself to be happy as opposed to... Um, worrying. Yeah, or worrying, too. being critical. And, it's, and you know, our... Um, our interactions are increasingly geared towards um, uh, analysing what other people do and, you know, whether that's talking about social media or um, m- um, media websites generally, um, we, we're being more and more trained to look at that kind of stuff and it's it's ruining our happiness. Um, and I, I myself, I'm um, the worst at it, but I, I've just had to start deleting my, my social media apps because I've realised that it doesn't make you happy. It just answers your curiosity um, and and doesn't get you any further. So so that's what I'm I'm trying to work on a lot now. Yeah. Blocking news websites, um, blocking news websites, getting rid of social media apps, and and living and letting live. Just staying in your lane. Yeah, staying in your lane and just enjoying that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I'd certainly ch- uh, becoming a parent is a real wake up to that. Yeah. To go, oh, right, none of that's mm. right. Um, yeah. And what matters is what I do. Yeah. And what we do as a family. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Your number one book, gifted or suggested to read? Um, I love, um, have you read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight? Phil Knight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just just love absolutely that. love that. Uh, it's there's, there's the passage at the end where he starts talking about, um, you know, the, the business owners and the entrepreneurs and just – it's not the... He's the owner of Nike. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he says the people that really care about this, they're not doing it for the profits. The profits are um, an objective, but what we're doing it for the for the thrill of going on that journey of um, building a team and pursuing a goal and, you know, uh, I just, just absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I read that last portion of that book just, uh, just with joy um, gushing out because it was so so good mm, awesome appreciate that I have it upstairs yeah um, and you can go back and read that that last yeah. you know few pages because because so much of it's about the history of like the really early history of Nike and um, I, I just pick it up all the time and just read that last part again because it just reminds you so yeah, good. the journey the journey so good um, most influential person in your life um, so um, mum and dad, undoubtedly. Um, uh, Even with the Bronco undies. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, um, uh, Are they Bronco licensed undies? No, no. no. So that were just, uh, just uh, Superman undies, or yeah, yeah, yeah they particular right. type. Yeah, Perfect. particular type. Just exactly. So, um, so I'll, I'll cover. Just had a live viewer ask that question. Yeah, it's So, mum has always instilled in me and and. Um, everyone else, uh, a passion for passion for justice. Um, she's always been been um, really alert to um, human rights issues, uh, political 
issues of, of all of all of all types. Um, and so that so through school we were always really really geared towards um, focusing on that kind of stuff. So um, mum in that respect, dad is just the anyone um, anyone asks. Um, he's just the the voice of reason, and he has um, he's an engineer by qualification, but he never wanted to really be an engineer. He just did it because well, he had, thought he had to go to uni, and he was pretty clever. Um, so once he got out of uni, he went and went to radio school and met mum, and and that was the rest of it. But he's just um, uh, if you ever feel uh, particularly incensed about something, he'll he'll make you realise it. Well, why? You're not seeing it from from all angles, and why you can, why and not in a um, contrarian way, but in a well, take a step back, take a deep breath. This is this is how everyone sees the world, you know, or this is how this person sees the world, and and um, that's, is that because he's grown up as aspiring partner to your mum? Um, well, I, I think he's um, uh, he's just always been a. a, a Known how to be a moderate voice when when mum might be um, uh, so impassioned about mm. a, about an issue, um, he can he can temper that. But they're they're pretty pretty aligned in terms of, yeah, of no, belief. Sure. But exactly. but but definitely that that kind of um, moderate voice against a, a, a very passionate one. So um, and there's Peter who we've spoken about at great length. Um, and the most important is is actually my wife. Um, I said at our uh, at our vows that she really taught me to be an adult. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I said that in the wedding speech. That she, she taught me to be to be an adult, and and really, I, I, without her, um, the business wouldn't be what it is. Um, it w- would, you know, still be on a you know chair chair desk yeah. chair, um, uh, and uh, she's just. Absolutely flourishing as a mother, and uh, and I love it a bit. And yeah. and finally, the question is uh, a podcast guest that we should have, famous or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. you think we should have? Um, so I, I've I've thought about this one for a while. I really love, and I think it's a it's a real potential get for you, um, uh, Mark Boris. Um, so he does the mentor podcast and a straight talk podcast, and so. Um, his background is he was Wizard Home Loans in business with Kerry Packer, and they sold that for half a billion dollars. And his story of of that again journey is just such a good story. Like it's really, really great. It, it's in a million places on podcasts in podcast pod, podcast land. But yeah, he'd he'd be really good. Um, and you know, he's on the board of the Sydney Roosters, and um, but he's just so so in tune with with so much of what you're about. You know. Um, business success, happiness, all of that. So, yeah. oh, awesome! Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. So, I think it's. I think he's a, a reasonable get for you. Yeah. I think he's. We'll see. Yeah. Gabe Hutchinson, thank you so much for coming in on the weekend, talking a little bit about your life, and um, we're looking forward to seeing the the up and up of of where you're headed, both at home and with Clutch Legal. Absolutely. It's Thanks been great. So much, Thanks so much. Cheers. That was Gabe Hutchinson. Thank you so much for his time. It was amazing to be able to sit down and talk to him about all things parenting, becoming a husband, becoming an owner of a law firm. If you really enjoyed that, please share it with anyone you think would enjoy it as well. And um, follow us or subscribe to us as a podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. That'd be great. Until next time, peace. Peace.